We all go through times of desperation, disillusionment, and struggle in our lives. In those times, we tend to wonder if God is still there or how he will come through for us. Today, we're learning about how God works in our desperation. My name is Aaron Shamp, and you're listening to Filter. Hey guys, welcome to Filter. On this show, we recognize that the world can be a confusing place to live in. What I seek to do is to equip you to live with biblical clarity in our confusing world so that you can face the chaos of life with wisdom, integrity, and courage. Everyone knows what it's like to be in a place where you struggle to see how things will play out well. Maybe it's a mess that you got yourself into. Perhaps you're in a tough spot by no poor choices of your own. Nevertheless, when we go through these times of confusion, disillusionment, and desperation, it can be difficult to see how God is working. In this episode, I'm sharing with you a portion from a recent sermon that I preached where I addressed these issues. But before I share that with you, I want to give you a quick reminder about the fall book giveaway that we're doing here on Filter to celebrate all that God has done with the podcast this year. We're giving away 11 books that are in total a value of over $225. These books are from our amazing guests, such as Oz Guinness, Thaddeus Williams, George Yancey, Justin Whitmill Early, Douglas Grotheis, and even more. To enter for your chance to win this amazing book giveaway and to see the full prize package, just click on the link in the description below so that you can enter for that contest and see all that we're going to be giving away with it. Also, be sure that you're subscribed to Filter wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. In addition to that, if you're helped by this content, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a rating and review or if you shared this show with your friends. Taking these simple steps really helps us to get the message of biblical clarity out to more people. Well, without any further delay, let's jump into this episode about how God works in our desperation. Secondly, his ways are surprising. Let's look at this. So David is in this situation, right? Like I said before, he's sweating as he is riding along with the Philistine forces, wondering to himself, how am I going to get out of this? What am I going to do? Is God going to come through for me? And so on. Here he is in in this situation, and God does come through for him. Like I said, with his quiet care, his silent providence, God comes through for him. But he comes through him in perhaps one of the most mysterious and ironic and surprising ways. God turns the Philistines into David's deliverers, in a sense. You know, David in his foolishness and his folly, David in his weakness and his struggling with his faith, had gotten himself into the Philistine ranks and forces, and God works the situation to save him with the Philistines. Isn't that incredible? It's those commanders who see Achish bringing along David and and say to him, what in the world are you doing? (laughs) Send this guy home. Get him out of here. Do you think that in all of David's wondering and all of David's sweating as he was riding along getting ready for a battle and thinking, maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that, maybe God will strike them all with a meteor and take me with them. (laughs) Do you think in his wildest imagination that he expected the Philistine commanders to be his savior? Do you think that was one of the possibilities that he was thinking to himself that was on his mind? Do you think he ever expected that? But here's the thing, and this is our second big point. God often works beyond our expectations. God often works beyond our expectations. What we need to understand here in this passage, one, one thing, is that there is no guarantee from this text that God is going to 
pull you out of every mess that you get yourself into. Very often, the messes and the trials and things we go through in our life, not always, okay, not always, but often, they're due to our own foolish choices. Very often, we get ourselves into the messes that we are in. It's our own folly, it's our weakness, it's our sin, or maybe it's, our, it's a lack of faith, whatever else it might be. Sometimes we go through those trials, and God doesn't pull us out of them, but he walks with us through to the end, okay? So he, he doesn't abandon you. But whether he chooses to pull you out, whether he chooses to calm the storm while you're in the middle of it, or, or whether he chooses to persevere you and help you to endure all the way through to the end of it, here's the thing. He often does that in a way that we cannot expect or in a way that is beyond what, how we once again imagine the situation playing out. This is something that a theme that we have talked about a couple of times in this series over uh, David's life and especially as David has been running through the wilderness. How so often you go through trials in your life. You go through a storm and you are imagining to yourself no possible way out of this storm that ends with you alive, that ends with you well. You're going through a season of suffering that you just say to yourself, I don't know if I can survive this unless God directly intervenes and takes me out of it. Sometimes it's, it's not necessarily a, a season of suffering, but it's just a season of wondering. It's trying to discern God's will for you, and you once again just want him to, to put it up before you. Right? Maybe it's a, it's a door opening for your job, a door opening for your family, a door opening in whatever else. And whenever we go through these trials or we go through these times of, of wondering of how God is going to work, we start thinking of all these plans. And we pray that God would work according to those plans. Lord, open this door. Or Lord, work in this way. Lord, do this, do that. And so often what we do is we start to place our faith in the plans that we put before God rather than putting our faith in God. Do you see that? And so, so often we start getting our faith and our expectations for how God should work in this situation wrapped up together. And as we continue to walk through the wilderness or, or paddle our way through the storm, and God isn't making it go according to the route or plan that we had charted out, our faith starts to struggle. And we start to wonder, is he there? We start to wonder, is he good? We start to wonder, has he abandoned me? The problem is not how God is working, but the problem is that our faith and our expectations for him have gotten tied up together. They've gotten too closely entangled. And so just because he's not working according to our plan or our, our expectations, we have cri these crises of faith. Or maybe we have these, these indulgences in a sin or whatever else it might be. God often works beyond our expectations. And so if you are going to have a healthy, maturing relationship with God, if you're going to have a relationship with God where you walk in trust and faith in him, and, and if you're going to have the kind of relationship where whenever he calls you to do bold things for him, and he calls you to acts of righteousness and sacrificial obedience, the only way that you will be able to live that kind of a life is to loosen your grip on your expectations and start to say, Lord, however you will, I'm saying yes. However you will, whatever is your way, whatever is your expectation, I'm saying yes to that. And so if you're going through a time right now where you're waiting for God to relieve suffering you're going through, 
whether it's some very real physical suffering going on in your life or in your family's life, whether there's some internal suffering, whether there's conflict, whatever else it might be. As you're walking through that, your prayers to God cannot be, Lord, just work according to my way. And, and you got to watch out for how you're starting to get your faith wrapped up in your expectations and instead just lay yourself before him and say, I know this. I know that you are good. I know that you love me. I know that you do not abandon those that you are in covenant with. And so however you will, in whatever way you make, my answer is yes. So what this means, that God often works beyond our expectations, is that you must loosen your grip on your expectations and be open to God's surprising ways. I'm just going to say one more thing before I move on to this point. Whenever I look back at my own life, and I look at the testimonies that God has given me of all the times that he's worked. And I see how he's come through again and again. Always. He always comes through. He comes through, and, I, and so then I reflect on, well, then what made me suffer so much as I was going through that, that trial and that situation? Eight times out of ten, maybe nine times out of ten. You know what it was? It was just me holding on to my expectations rather than holding on to the Lord. It was me holding on to my plans and wanting God to work according to them rather than holding on to the cross, which is God's symbol, his proof, standing for me for all eternity, that he loves me, that he works all things according together for my good, and that he's got this in his hands. So loosen your grip on your expectations and be open to his surprising ways. We've got to remember this that David was in this situation due to his own foolishness and folly. I've said this the past two weeks, and I'm going to say it again today. One of the reasons that I love Scripture, that I love the Bible, and that I trust in it is because it does not hide its hero's dirty laundry. (laughs) David's life is not whitewashed. Neither are any of the other heroes of Scripture. His faults and his folly is fully laid out, and so it's important for us to remember. David's in this situation here in 29, before God comes through for him, be completely due to his own weakness, due to the, the, the moment where his faith uh, was shaken, and he said to himself, the only place for me to go is with the Philistines. This clever but foolish scheme that he had hatched up to be working almost as a, as a double agent, right, with Achish. He is in that situation completely due to his own foolishness and folly. And so he deserved to have to see it through to the end, right? Have there ever been times in your life where somebody says, you got yourself in this, you're going to see yourself through it? We call that tough love sometimes, right? I know we've all been in situations like that before. And, and in one sense, it would have been perfectly right and appropriate for God to have let David just say, you got yourself here, you're going to get yourself through it, right? You're going to see what happens. Whenever you quit trusting in me, David, you're going to learn from this, David. Here's some tough love for you, David. And once this would have been appropriate, you know what would have been even more appropriate? David had sinned against God. He had sinned against God in his lack of faith, in his deceitful plan, and as we said before, in his bloodshed of the raids that he was going on. He had sinned against God. He had broken the covenant with God, and it would have been very appropriate and just for God to have said, that's it. You're done. You lost your chance. You, you broke my law. You, you broke my will. You stepped outside of it. You broke the covenant between us. And so 
I'm, to, I'm removing the kingdom from you, David. This is the end of the road for you. It would have been completely just for God to have done that because David broke the covenant. But here's the thing. Just because David had broken his covenant with God and was unfaithful, God will not break his covenant with David. And so this is why God still pursues him in his mercy. We need to recognize this, that it was an act of great and extreme mercy. Nothing, nothing that we can point to other than pure mercy for God to work in this situation and to pull David out of it, to rescue his chosen king who had had this, this folly, this weakness, this failure. It was God's mercy that pulled him out of it. Because here's what we learn in this story. We have learned God's ways are mysterious. They're surprising so often we don't know what he is doing. But here's the thing. His, his ways are always good and merciful. And no matter how we, we are trying to think, what is God doing in my life right now? And no matter what season of darkness you're going through, here is one thing that you can always count on and that David learned, that you're always being pursued by his mercy. This is what David wrote in the most famous Psalm, Psalm 23, verse 6, right? David wrote, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. I love what he says there, that only goodness and faithful love, only goodness and God's uh, steadfast love, his covenantal love, will pursue me all the days of my life because here's what that emphasizes to me. So often I am running from God. I start chasing after sin or I start chasing after uh, some other plan due to fear. Right? I start running from him in, in, a, in a certain way. But you know what Psalm 23, 6 tells me and what 1 Samuel 29 tells me? That I cannot outrun his, good, his goodness and his faithful love. It is always pursuing me. There is no turn that I can take where his love stops. There is no region that I can go into that his love and, and goodness and that his mercy cannot pursue me into. There is no darkness of sin, indulgence and temptation that I can go into that where his love says, oh, I can't go there. God's mercy pursued David all the way into Philistia. God's mercy pursued him all the way to Achish's throne and into Ziklag. And as he was going on, on, on his raids with his schemes, God's mercy pursued him still because no matter what David did, it could not break God's love, his steadfast love and mercy for him. And so here's the last big, the third big point, the last point that we learned, that God always works in his mercy for his people. He often works in silent care. He often works beyond our expectations, but he always works in his mercy for his people. Just like we can look at David's life and see that there was no place that he could run to where he would not still be pursued by God's steadfast love for him. We learn that God's mercy never runs out for you. It is inexhaustible. He, it, he, he is so rich. He is so wealthy in mercy that you can never deplete it. His love pursues you no matter what Philistia you go running off into. No matter what fear-driven path you start chasing down. His love and his mercy pursues you still. He doesn't cast you off because of your foolishness. Just like he, doesn't, he, or he didn't cast David off because of his foolishness here. No matter what kind of situation you get yourself into because of your folly, because of your weakness of faith, or because of your fear-driven choices or sin, 
you never took a turn and you never went a place where God said, oh, I stop here. Even if you were in that place right now, some of us coming in to church this morning with the weight of guilt and shame bearing down upon us, in a place of darkness, wondering and questioning, disoriented to, to if God is even working in our life. Friend, even as you cross that threshold this morning and you're sitting in that seat and you're sitting in your darkness and you're sitting in your shame and you're wondering to yourself and you're questioning and you're feeling that guilt weigh you down, God's mercy and his love is pursuing you still. It is pursuing you now. How? How is it possible that God's love could never run out for us, that his mercy could never be exhausted? How is it possible? Well, here is what might be one of the ways that God has worked that might be the most surprising and beyond expectations of all. God was able to stay faithful to David and keep his covenant with David, and God is able to stay faithful to you to pursue you with his mercy, to pursue you with his love, and to maintain his covenant with you, though you often break it with him, because he has taken the curse of for breaking the covenant upon himself. Whenever we break God's law, whenever we break covenant with him, whenever we sin against him, there is now a debt that stands between us. Because of David's lack of faith here, there is a debt that stood between him and God. So what David deserved was the curse that comes with breaking the covenant. There he, reserves the, he deserves the condemnation. And so do we whenever we break covenant with God. Whenever we sin against God, we deserve the curse that comes with that. So how will we be saved? Because God cannot just allow uh, injustice by not punishing sin, punishing lawlessness. God cannot be unjust by then allowing uh, broken covenants to go without the due that comes with them. So how will he love us still? How will he still welcome us and pursue us with his mercy? Well, there are two options. Either one, we will pay for that ourselves. We will pay for it with our own blood. We will pay for it with our own suffering. Or this, that most surprising answer that no one could have guessed, that made Paul erupt in praise, as we saw in Romans 11. God took the curse on himself. God took the curse on himself. God took the condemnation on himself. God took the suffering that we should have received on himself in Jesus Christ. Whenever Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived the perfect life, and then died his death on the cross, what he was doing was he was receiving upon himself the curse that should have been ours. Jesus was receiving upon himself the condemnation for sin that should have been mine. In his death, he was paying the penalty that I should have paid and that you should have paid. But here's the thing. Because he took that curse and that wrath upon himself, what he has done is he has, he has swallowed it up in his own death so that now for those who are in him, for those who follow him, there is no more condemnation for you for any of your sin, for sins committed in your past, for sins you have committed today, and for the sin that you will commit in your future. For any follies and foolishness that come up in your life, it has all been paid for. It has all been swallowed up in the death of Jesus Christ. There is not one ounce more wrath or condemnation that God is holding back to just waiting to pour out on you if you make the wrong move. It has all been paid for in Jesus Christ. He has swallowed it up and now you're free. But even better than that, even better than that, because he lived that perfect life, what he did... 
the New Testament says he was a propitiation. Here's what that big word means. It means that he took that wrath and that curse that we deserved, and he swallowed it up in his own death. He laid it down in his grave, and then he turned what was once that wrath towards us and, that, and was that place of condemnation that we stood in, and he turns it into a place of favor. He turns what was once wrath against us, and now because he has swallowed it up and we can stand in his righteousness and we can receive the benefit of his obedience, he takes that wrath and he turns it into grace. He turns it into love for you. He turns it into a faithful mercy that pursues you all the days of your life, into your darkest valleys and in your most shameful moments. How is it that God's covenant with David and with us can never be broken? Because as long as Jesus stands in victory over death, as long as Jesus remains resurrected over death, which is, of course, something that can never be overturned, your death is in his grave. Your sin was paid for on his cross, and he stands in victory over, over it all as the once and for all and eternal assurance to us and all who would believe in him that it has been paid in full. That God's verdict on you has been changed from guilty to righteous and nothing will overturn that verdict. That is how God can always work in mercy for his people even whenever you are at your worst or you are at your darkness. So friends, trust that you are not beyond God's mercy. Trust that what I have said here is not just nice sounding and not just true for some people or true for others, but that it is true for you. Yes, even for you. Say to yourself this morning, God's mercy is not beyond Aaron. Say it and say it for your name. God's mercy is not beyond me. Because so often what we do is we construct a God made in our own image. One who would, in a huff, at his people disobeying him, cast them off. And because we so often start to follow that God made in our own image, we think that God casts us off because of our sin. Or because we've, we've, we've finally broken that last straw. Or we've taken that one step too far. But that's not how God works. Trust that you are not beyond God's mercy. Thanks for listening. I hope this episode provided you with biblical clarity to live with confidence in our confusing world. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating or review. To catch up the latest from me, you can go to my website, AaronChamp.com. While you're there, subscribe to my newsletter so that you can be updated anytime I share new content. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Aaron M. Champ. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Until then, hold fast.